0: You talking to me? Welcome back into the screening room, checking out what's new in theaters and the best of what's new on streaming and on video. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. This is the screening room podcast. A few new ones in the theaters and at least one to recommend on video this week. And we'll start off with a movie that earned an Oscar nomination for the lead actress and. In our view, at least in my view, should have gotten one for best picture, and it's called Jackie. Ask every person if
1: he's heard the story. And tell it strong and clear if he has not. That once there was a
0: fleet. People like of to believe in fairy tales. Don't let it be forgot. That for one brief, shining moment. There is a Camelot.
1: There won't be another Camelot. Not another Camelot.
0: This is a look at First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy in the days around and after the assassination of JFK. And Natalie Portman stars as Jackie Kennedy. And she was, she has been nominated for uh, Best Actress in a Leading Role. And the film, at least to my surprise, did not get an Oscar nomination for Best Picture. For me, it was one of the best of the year. One of the ten best, I think. I, I think, I don't know if you liked it as well.
1: I think maybe not as well, but I did think it was wonderful. And one of the things I really liked about it is, I mean, a lot of times, especially around Oscar nomination season, I I worry about the biopics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is really a very, very different approach. It to is. a story we feel like we know, but probably don't. Pablo yep. Lorraine is the director. And it, like you said, it's it's it tells pieces of the whole story but it focuses just on these few days and it's really fascinating and that is
0: a really wise move especially when you have a subject like Jackie Kennedy really i think one of the problems often with biopics is that they try to do you do everything from birth to death yes and that is such a hard thing to do and it's often much more of a smart move like this to take a certain section and you can really for me make better points and make more or make a more cohesive film when well, you focus. And
1: I think what's interesting about that is his focus it, it it matches her grief and confusion, you know? So it's not even just like a clinical look at these couple of days. Right. It's a very confused, chaotic and and emotional and and also beautiful. It's so saturated with color. It's so gorgeously filmed.
0: Yeah, more than just focusing on a certain time, it really breaks down what people expect from a standard biopic and the way it presents it. It's, it's, it's very hypnotic. It's very surreal in spots. Uh, director, as you said, Pablo Lorraine, he's done, uh, he did Tony Manero years ago, which was an offbeat, different look at, uh, at the kind of movie that it was. And he's also got Neruda. coming out, so he really yeah. likes the biopic. Yeah, and um, it's really, like I said, it's surreal, it's hypnotic. It It goes back and forth from these grand visions uh, to very hushed intimacy inside the White House and as Jackie has to deal with not only the grief, the shock of the assassination, but then she has to guard her children. She has to look toward her future. She has to honor her husband's legacy, has to make it all mean something and it, it really is a fantastic look inside all of that and I think one of the things that that uh, punctuates this movie is it? It uh, includes little snippets of an interview that she's giving with exactly. a journalist who's never named. He's just called the journalist, and he's played very well by Billy, Billy Crudup. Billy
1: Crudup. You know, it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. I think those were maybe my favorite parts of the film. Mm-hmm. Partly because he is so great, and their chemistry is so interesting. But also partly because in those, she's closer to being calm. She's and there's more anger. But I mean, it's more. Um, She's more in control of what she's saying, and it's it's just this fascinating prism to see her through.
0: Yeah, she just dis- dishes out these little nuggets of jaded wisdom to his questions. Not quite condescension, but almost there. And you kind of see in her eyes and in her responses what she's learned through the experiences that she's gone through, and it's a, it's a nice a contradiction between, or contrast, I should say, between the other scenes where you see her having to play that role that it's pretty clear she was increasingly uncomfortable doing. You know, she, as we know, and that's another thing about this movie that it adds, it has some some meaning because of all the what we know, Jackie Kennedy and then Jackie Onassis, how she lived mm-hmm. the rest of her mm-hmm. life. She became intensely private a- and, you know, guarding her privacy very, very closely. So you see that, you see the fight within her going on even back then to try to play the role that she you know wasn't thrust into she took it on she married a JFK but the, all the expectations and demands that came with that to her fight for privacy and now going forward as a JFK's widow how she was going to you know hold on to that bit of privacy and still try to be you know take care of all those things as i mentioned before her children her her husband's memory uh, all the things like that and and it's also interesting how they play off the theme of Camelot. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. They, they use the song uh, to great effect, I think, and that is the, the legend that those days were Camelot, and the way they use it, it's almost a, a wink and a nod, like, was it really Cam- yeah. Camelot? Yeah. And I think it's very effective, and all in all, a really, really strong film. The performance is not only Natalie Portman. She is great. We mentioned Billy Crudup. You've got Greta Gerwig. You've got Peter Skarsgård, who plays Robert Kennedy. Uh, I don't remember the name of the guy that plays JFK. He's really not... in it that much but he's a he's a good uh, he looks the part anyway (laughs) and of course they do depict the assassination uh, which is pretty uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but all in all very very well done and a new kind of a new look on the biopic as you say and I think it's also interesting that you have a a foreign director taking on such an American piece of history I think that too might give it a different viewpoint that an american director might not have been able to grab
1: right it's it's hard to shake off uh you know your own your own long standing history with a topic but i think it's funny how often that does work for example 12 years a slave was directed by a brit mm-hmm. and actually cast almost exclusively with brits and it's one and it's, and it's a great piece it's a brilliant film about american history and it's interesting to me how often they can they seem that they can bring a a, a different perspective to our own history
0: yeah it's it's one that as i said i think should have been Nominated, nominated for, for yeah. an Academy Award, Natalie Portman has been nominated. We don't really think she'll win, or do we? What do you think her odds are?
1: Uh, she's got a good shot. I think she's probably not the front runner at this point. A, a few months ago, I would have expected that she was, mm-hmm. but but I think she's got a good shot. Primarily because, as I've said before, uh, uh, Viola Davis, for some reason, wound up in the supporting right. the supporting actress <laughs> slot. Yeah. If she had been in lead, which is where she should be, True. she would easily have taken that. But. You know, with her in sporting I think that I think that that Natalie Portman's got a shot.
0: Yeah, and you always think that someone who has won before sometimes that can work against them. Right. I don't know. People always say they think they know how the Academy votes. I don't know if anybody does. No. But uh, anyway, we we shall see. But Jackie not nominated for an Oscar for Best Picture, but still well worth seeing. And our next movie is an adaptation of a very popular novel, and it follows the lives of a dog as the dog tries to find out just what is a dog's purpose what is the meaning of life are we here for a reason is there a point to any of this and why does food taste so much better in the trash this was me and then this was me then i came back as this little guy a lot of lives for one dog to live tried to make sense out of all the things I'd seen. Was there a point to this journey of mine?
1: And how did bacon fit in? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So there is uh, there is some not-so-great buzz already around this film because it seems like it would be certainly uh, a movie for dog lovers, and yet some video has surfaced that suggested that the dogs in the film were pay per- perhaps not treated as well as they yeah, should have I
0: been. was a little surprised. I thought when that video first came out, they'd push this movie back. Because just what you say, it's aimed at animal lovers and dog lovers. And boy, if you get that group upset at you, you might want to just hold off. But they haven't, and they've actually done a little pushback. And I, I, I can't say that I, I have seen parts of the video, and I've seen parts of the rebuttals. So there are two sides to this. I don't know who is right, but there, the, the video did allege that some dogs, at least one dog, was um, mistreated during the filming. Dennis Quaid, who stars in the movie, has gone on a few talk shows to say, he didn't he wouldn't have been associated with anything that treated the dogs badly he didn't see any of that so it's it's two sides let's put it that way but if you're not going to see that movie because of the video fine let me tell you there are plenty other reasons not to see this movie <laughs> it is bad it was it's based on a very popular novel which i didn't read the book but as far as i can tell and looking it up they changed some things as movies they often do, often do. You, nothing you wrong to. with that sometimes you have to but it is it's so manipulative it's so heavy-handed it's i guess tries to be funny it's not it bored me senseless it's uh, it starts with the 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 soul it's the soul of the dog that they follow the soul of the dog is ba- is uh, voiced by Josh Gad with really overdone preciousness mm-hmm. and cuteness and I don't know if they have studied reincarnation, but anyway,
1: I'm gonna say no. The dog, so the dog comes back again and again and again and again as a dog. As different so, dogs, way to miss the point entirely. As
0: different dogs, starts out uh, as a dog, no, a retriever named Bailey, and as, as a puppy, is um, rescued from a hot car by this young boy in 1960s Michigan, and that's where we start out. Have a, a big chunk of the story there as the bond between the young boy and the dog as they both grow up. And then we see the dog becomes a canine shepherd in Chicago, then a a corgi in 1980s uh, Atlanta or 1980s Georgia, and then back to Michigan as as one of those poor dogs that is tied to a tree all day. And uh, it's, like I said, it just takes the most contrived situations, everything with the broadest brush, every issue is treated so broadly to try to ring the most amount of manipulation that it can. It tries to be funny with these slapstick moments. Oh, look, there's a dog loose at a fancy dinner. What could happen? Look out! That sort of stuff. And, and the dog, as, as heavy-handed as these situations are, you not only have that, but you add an extra layer of manipulation because the dog's voice is there uh! to comment again on every situation. I think what I equated it to was imagine walking by a man getting sick on the side of the road and his sad eyed dog is right beside him And as you pass by just looking at you going oh he must be sick yeah we get that and we <laughs> get that for 90 minutes and it just becomes so grating and so overbearing and it can't really leave anything alone even everything has to be so idealized um, even a shot of a farmhouse just a simple farmhouse isn't complete without a picture-perfect crescent moon in a cloudless sky because isn't that just the most perfect situation with no trace of realism whatsoever? It's I know what they're trying to do here. The dogs are cute. Let's get that out of the way right now. Of course dogs <laughs> are cute. Who doesn't love dogs? But what they do with them, it almost it gets to the point, and this is not bringing the video into the conversation. That, that point aside, the movie itself, you kind of get the idea where they're just, you're exploiting, you're taking this idea that everybody loves dogs and you're trying to celebrate them, and halfway into it, it, it feels exploitive. And many of the situations are just too, they're, they're, they're grim and, and melancholy. And, but then we pr- try to put a smiley face on it because look how cute this dog is. I just have a lot of ways to say I didn't like this movie at all.
1: You know, I think is interesting uh, is that Lasse Hallstrom directed this, and he started off his career so st- – he was he directed – e- he directed My Life as a Dog, actually. <laughs> but he directed What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. He did The Cider House Rules. Right. You know, I mean, he did some great things early in his career, and then Shuck a Lot, which I, I suppose was sort of half and half. But, boy, then he turned to a lot of Nicholas Sparks.
0: Yes, and that this has a real Nicholas Sparks feel, and it's – you do see, it's nice to see not only Dennis Quaid, in fact, Dennis Quaid, who's always a welcome sight, you almost expect to see the dog just say, isn't Dennis Quaid aging well? <laughs> because he is. And you the, do like Dennis Quaid. And then you also see Peggy Lipton. Peggy Lipton, Where has Peggy Lipton been? I and don't know. And she shows up in the movie as well. So that's all well and good, but it's it's so, and Britt Robertson, who was the, the lead girl in Tomorrowland, uh, she shows up in this movie as well. But not, people don't really get a chance to act. It's all... Nicholas Sparks Hallmark card sort of stuff. Sure. And it's uh, it's not very good. So, so I, no Oscar nomination for this no. one. No. And I will be interested to see, though, how it does at the box it's office. going I to really poorly. Because I really will. That is my prediction. I'm, poorly. I'm surprised with this hubbub with the dog lovers and the animal lovers that it didn't get pushed back. But we shall see. As I said, plenty of other reasons not to see it. So our next movie is the latest, and they promise the final chapter of Resident Evil. My name is Alice. And this is my story. The end of my story. 10 years ago in Raccoon City, there was an outbreak. It spread across the world within days.
1: One way or another, our world is coming to an end. The question is, will we
0: end with it? Brenna developed an airborne antivirus. It would destroy the T-virus. I have no reason to believe a word you say. True, but I can offer you something you want very much. What is that? Revenge.
1: Yeah! To be fair, when Friday the 13th came out with the final chapter, that was, I think, number five, and we are about to do number 13. So they're liars. This is what oh, I'm saying. Oh, Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Well, what
0: number are we up to for you Resident what? Evil? You know I
1: think it's six. I think this is the sixth installment of this film, which is insane to me. Wow. I, You know, and, and uh, as you and I were talking last night, this is the most popular video game film franchise of all time.
0: At least live action. I mean, it, po- right, Pokemon, Pokemon made a I'm few sure, dollars. Yeah, I'm
1: sure Pokemon. Yeah, you're correct. I'm sure Pokemon. But live action, you're right. And, um, and, and it's funny that... I always forget that it even exists. <laughs> I mean, how how can this franchise exist? And you know what? It it It's not a horror franchise. Yes, there are zombies in it. But I mean, I think that's part of the reason why it stays on my periphery is that even the bad horror franchises, we are completely, absolutely well-versed in. But this is just not that. And it's an entire series of films based on video games. And obviously, there are many versions of this video game. And so I think often there's a new movie when a new version comes out or vice versa. And, they can, and there is apparently a new Resident Evil um, video game that you can be playing right now. And let me tell you, I hope it's more interesting than the movie.
0: (laughs) Well, this should be called the final chapter, unless it makes a bunch of money.
1: Right. But I, you you know, it feels like the kind of film, it doesn't feel like a franchise movie. It doesn't feel like the kind of movie that has big names or marketing budget. It feels very low budget. It feels like, you know, sets and scenes and locations that you've seen in 95 other movies. And, you know, there's a, it is, it, it goes back to, it's about 15 years, or excuse me, 10 years since the first one. And um it goes, it spends a lot of time in the beginning, in case you don't know what happened, explaining the entire five film backstory to you. So that's plotting and dull. And... Then, you know, you just go, it's very much like a video game. You go through a series of basically levels, levels yeah. you know, and there are two or three uh, places where they come up with, with an interesting idea, something that I haven't seen before in the series or, or, you know, in zombie films. There's very, if you love zombies, it's not the movie for you. They spend like 45 seconds, you get a chance to see zombies, but that's really not the point of this. Because that every new situation is a new enemy to kill. It's a new part of it, actually, as I was saying to you last night is like the, the film Cube, the Canadian horror film Cube, where you know once they're back inside the hive, she has to return to the hive to get the antivirus to wipe out the plague. Well, how interesting that it took them 10 years to come up with the fact that why would you even have an antivirus? I don't even understand this Oh it's just. It's ludicrous, and the acting is so bad. It's so bad. The acting is so bad. I don't know what they could have done with this writing, to be honest with you. Um, And then also, so Paul Anderson, it kills me that this is his name. Right. So the director of the entire Resident Evil franchise, as well as a handful of other god-awful films you shouldn't see, is named Paul Anderson, which is also the name of perhaps the greatest American filmmaker who did things like There Will Be Blood. and Paul
0: Thomas Paul Anderson. Paul
1: Thomas Anderson. Well, this is, uh, this is a lesser Paul. Paul and, W.S. Yes, Anderson. I know. He packs the film with a lot of action, but it's the kind of action where, it, you know, you'll see a punch, and then you'll see a knife fly, and then you'll see a punch, and then you'll hear a noise. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it appears to you like you're watching an action sequence, although none of the cuts make any sense together as a whole it's just like quick cut quick cut punch well who just punched that person where did that knife come it's just (laughs) nonsense it's just nonsense from beginning to end
0: all right so we'll find out if it truly is the final chapter the other big release nationwide release uh, we didn't get a chance to see it's matthew mcconaughey's gold wasn't screening for critics Uh, right now not getting a lot of positive reactions so proceed with caution with that one but another smaller movie that uh, is opening in some markets we did get a chance to see, and it's a horror movie, which we're always down for. And it's called We Are the Flesh. And this one, I guess you should also proceed with caution because it's got some nastiness in it and some quite graphic subject matter.
1: So I should start by saying that um, I thought that this was a fairly high-quality effort. But I also think that the potential audience for this movie is about maybe 8% of die-hard horror fans.
0: Yeah, it's it tells a story about two teens. They're wandering a ruined city for years in search of food and shelter, and they find their way into one of the last remaining buildings. And once they're in there, they find a just a crazy man who will make them a dangerous offer to survive the outside world. And this guy is... Noe
1: Hernandez. Oh, my woo. God, he's so... He's perfect. He really is very just goblin-like with this, like, Unmoving, unblinking face in this demonic grin the whole time, and and um and basically what the film is on the whole, uh, what you realize toward the end is 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 just kind of a, a metaphor for the disposable population of of Mexico, Mexico. City, Me- mm-hmm. Mexico City, and and which is the most overpopulated city on earth. And uh, what's interesting is that there are a lot of horror filmmakers who tread that familiar ground, that same ground, and they certainly do it with more subtlety. <laughs> Um, and, yeah. and so, again, I think I think this is an interesting film. I cannot imagine a person who wouldn't have to turn away at some point during this film. And, and, and it's funny because our friend who uh, runs a horror society, big, giant, enormous horror fan, she texted me repeatedly. She's like, don't watch it. You're going to hate this is- <laughs> it, so, it. But that's the point, of yeah. course. <laughs> no matter what it is that makes you squeamish, no matter what it is, you're going to see it a lot in this movie. Yeah. and it's So un- I think we can't warn you strongly enough.
0: Right. Not, not just violence. There's some oh, graphic, no. sexual, graphic sexual body nature. Body fluids aplenty. Whatever yeah.
1: the body fluid is, you don't want to see, you're going to see it.
0: Yeah. And uh, so it carries an, a non-rating, or else it would have been NC-17, I feel sure. Oh, uh, there's no so, question. No very question. Very graphic, but also, yeah, I, I agree with you. Very interesting. But this is one you need to see with at least your eyes wide open at the beginning. They, they, may, they may be closed. You may be turning away uh, halfway through it or, or, or more. So that is We Are the Flesh. New on video and streaming this week, you've got Inferno with Tom Hanks and The Light Between Oceans uh, with Michael Fassbender and Alicia Vikander. We didn't care for either of those, but one that is available this week we liked a lot, and it is called The Handmaiden. Talking about shocks from the Oscars, we were both blown away That of all categories, this was not nominated for cinematography because not only could it be nominated, it could win.
1: I was a little, I was sad that it wasn't nominated for Best Foreign Language Film as well. Me too. But but not as surprised. I definitely thought that this had a shot for cinematography. It's the latest from Chanwick Park. We love him. Love him. He's amazing. If you don't know the work of Chanwick Park, get to know it. Old Boy is probably his most famous, Mm -hmm. but he's brilliant, and the film is brilliant and yeah. it's about a, a japanese heiress who is being conned um uh there's an attempt to con her out of her inheritance
0: yeah and it's it's just it has these layers of secrecy almost noirish at points and there's double crossing and there's plots and it's but it's just gorgeously photographed and really very terrifically directed oh of course uh you know i thought he could have had a shot for for best director as well but this just got ignored all the way around unfortunately but it should not be ignored if you like these type of movies you
1: should know i mean going into it also there is a it's not a horror film but there's definitely an an unseemly Mm -hmm. undercurrent there is something and they and it's very rarely like full screen exposed but whatever it is that this heiress's uncle does there's something creepy something bad about it but it but it also it also provides some very interesting twists throughout the performances are great Um,
0: and it is about two and a half hours long yeah so know that and also it's not rated there is some pretty graphic sexual sexual, nature here as well so be aware of that but we recommend it highly highly Uh, and that is the handmaiden out on video this week looking forward to next week we've got a few we've got rings as we said we're big horror fans so we're slightly optimistic i don't know about that also Mm -hmm. uh the Space Between Us, don't know a lot about that. Uh, Julieta, which is the latest from Almodovar, yeah, uh, which we like a lot. The Salesman. This
1: is the one. I cannot wait to see this film. It's the new film from director Ashgar, F- Ashgar Faradi, who did A Separation a Ooh, couple of years ago, so which good. was just brilliant. So I cannot wait to see this
0: one. Yeah, and also Robert De Niro in The Comedian, which I just got to see last night, so we'll talk about that. All that coming next week. Uh, before, Until then, Hit us up. Let us know what you thought about some of these films or the Oscar nominations. We talked a little bit about that. So if you have some thoughts, let us know. Easiest way is on Twitter. You can find us at Mad Wolf, M A D D W O L F, and on Facebook, we're at Mad Wolf Columbus. And of course, you can find all our written reviews and other shenanigans on our website, and that is madwolf.com. And the Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of madwolf.com and the Columbus Radio Group. Until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend.